Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. Uh, just uh, today is the last day of summer school for those of you, or of summer for those of you in Duval County, and like to take this time to tell uh, any Christian parent that it is not too late to re- remove your kid from this pagan uh, institution and uh, start to either homeschool them or find a uh, private Christian school to go to. And if you are a Christian pastor who is not offering uh, anything for uh, parents to send their kids to, then you need to consider that because uh, it's very important that uh, Christian children be educated uh, in a Christian worldview. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Taylor, I just went to the News for Jack's website just to kind of really quick checks. By the way, thank you to all our listeners in Mississippi and Virginia and Georgia. And uh, I just, you know, wanted to see what the local news was. These are the four headlines, the four things, the first things that pop off. COVID vaccines required for military under new plan. As coastal Georgia hospitals fill with COVID patients, doctors urge vaccinations. After days in hospital, Duval County property appraiser wished he had had COVID vaccination. COVID-19 and vaccinations available at hundreds of sites. What are your questions about the vaccine? Like, that's the top. It's like everything about the vaccine. And have you wondered why if the vaccine is so great while they have to sell it so hard mm-hmm. and mandate it for everybody. It is unbelievable. Nobody's talking about natural immunity gained after recovery from COVID, which now their studies are coming out. I mean, this hadn't been around that long, but studies are coming out saying that if you are recovered from COVID, you actually are better off than if you have the vaccine. And our guest on Friday is going to address that issue. We have Dr. Byram Bridal, who was uh, on uh, several of the cable news uh, channels talking about uh, his research. He's a viral immunologist up in Canada at Guelph University, uh, University of Guelph in Ontario, and he's going to be our guest Friday. But now I'm I'm really concerned that they're mandating the vaccine for all the military, and they go, well, we've mandated vaccines before. Yeah, but why would you be mandating a vaccine for somebody who's already had COVID and recovered and has T-cell antibodies. That makes no sense. It's just a blanket sweep. That's, again, still an experimental drug. And by the way, Fauci said, Dr. Fauci said that if uh, the FDA does approve it, you're going to see sweeping mandates across Mm -hmm. the country for people to be forced to get the vaccine. And I'm like, wow, we're no longer in America anymore, man. This country has gone through the roof. Again, this is not an anti-vax statement. This is just saying that if you have antibodies, you are better protected than the vaccine. I mean, if you've had it from recovery. so yeah, And it would be similar to mandating 
you know, people get the flu shot as far as the, when you're talking about like the deadliness of the virus, it's not, as we've said before, something like smallpox or anything like that. Um, and so it seems like there's a concern there for overreach in the government getting into areas of our lives that they do, do not belong. Yeah. And here's the thing, Dr. Lee Merritt, who we had on the show, the program a while back, you know, she was lecturing about this in 2011 in mm. 2012 about the coming medical technocracy. And she was lecturing about how, um, and she's a former past president of American Association of uh, Physicians and Surgeons. And she was lecturing about how they will mandate vaccines in the future. This was 10 years ago, you know, nine years ago. And, um, and it, it is just, it's wrong on a lot of levels. And, you know, people are like, well, what should I do? Should I get the vaccine? Should I not get the vaccine? Well, do research, research out there, but re- don't just research, uh, what you see on social media or even Google, because if you just put in G- Google vaccine, you can bet Google is filtering any social media website, talk, talk uh, go on there and read opposing views and then be discerning read views that are pro vaccine and and none that talk about it now one thing i like about dr uh bridal is he is not an anti-vax doctor he in fact he was uh given a, a grant by the uh canadian government to study the mnra and the vaccine uh as far as effectiveness um and so he is not an anti-vaxxer but he comes out very strongly that if you've had COVID, you've recovered, you know you've had it. Not, And a lot of people, Taylor, have said, well, I've had COVID. Well, did you get tested? No. Well, then how do you know you had it? Well, I had all the symptoms. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, some people could have had COVID, but some people might have had the flu. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and every symptom's different. Like my wife and I, even though we had full-blown COVID, uh, uh, we never lost our taste. We never lost our smell. And, uh, we, we, I never even got a fever, hmm. which was bizarre, but I coughed and I had the coughing and stuff. And, uh, so everybody, it affects everyone a little bit different. There are similar symptoms, but we were tested and we tested positive and we saw, and sure enough, we, we had COVID. Uh, so, uh, and there's a lot of misinformation about, well, if you catch this, you can't catch that. And it, he will talk a lot about a lot of that on Friday. So, but I'm just struck again by going to the news cycle and looking at these local news agencies. And the only thing they're talking about is COVID and, and you go, well, cases are on the rise. Yeah. But deaths aren't on the rise like they were. I mean, it's, it's not as, uh, fatal it, it that doesn't mean it won't kill people it does still there are people who have suffered from it there are people who have died but you know i i shared uh, i talked to one couple actually a, a couple of different people in the last two weeks who have been unable to get any local doctors to prescribe except for one there's one guy here in town who would prescribe um hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin hmm. they all discount it now why is that when, when I know people who have recovered and been 
made better by these drugs. Yeah, and there's studies, you know, that indicate and back that up, you know, uh, particularly out of certain uh, areas in India where it was used extensively to help uh, curb uh, the uh, surge that was going on there a few months back. So, yeah, to discount it completely still um, is, you know, it, it, it brings questions to mind, you know. Well, it brings a lot of questions. There's so many um, – there's so many uh, – efforts to silence or squelch different types of information that people are really uh hesitant to trust anybody in the medical community right now yeah and you know the medical and it doesn't mean they think they're evil mm-hmm. it just means they don't know if they're being pressured yeah. by uh their upper level people listen right now in houston there is a contingent fighting against the mandates in hospitals nurses are leaving Mm -hmm. they're leaving the hospitals because they're saying we're not going to be mandated to have this vaccine and i heard that even pilots and and air crews were saying we're not gonna you know united just mandated it and so if enough people start standing up and saying hey we're not going to be forced to do this I mean, have you in our history? We've never done anything like this that I remember. Yeah, not in our lifetime no. for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, you're older than me, obviously, but <laughs> even you know, twice as old yeah, as you, and even, we haven't even, done it. Yeah, even in your lifetime, no. But yet, like you're talking about the medical community, it has done itself a you know a grave disservice um, by allowing you know these uh, seemingly untruthful things that they've said that that has created in the public mind. Uh, like you said, doubt. And so now people are unwilling to trust, you know, anything. And, you know, talking again about uh, people standing up. And I think that's a, important to realize that if a man, a mandate goes through and there's no pushback, then that mandate is going to be used as leverage um, in a bunch of different ways. I think that we haven't really thought of, uh, particularly if you, let's say, decide you don't want to get um, the vaccine and you don't want your kids to get the vaccine. Well, that can be used then if you're bucking against the mandate and there's no uh, religious exemption or anything like that, that can, that, can, that can be used as impetus for them to say that you are neglecting your child or you're abusing oh, your yeah. child. Oh, yeah, and, and it's coming. Listen, they're already uh, – we're, we're already seeing in just what I was talking about, uh, federal workers uh, for the military and federal workers on, on federal property. If you have any federal job, they're going to mandate for you to have it. They're also going to mandate college students. That case is mm-hmm. before – the Supreme yep. Court right now. Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, passports are being pushed by the CDC. Vaccine passport, vaccine passports. New mask mandates across the nation. Even Asa Hutchinson, who I've struggled with anyway since he's been in Arkansas, he's saying, I regret having to. He, yeah, uh, he's, he, he's a hack. Yeah. So, But new lockdowns are being weighed by the White House, too. So all these areas, you got to ask yourself why. Because even as the numbers of people infected is going up, the number of hospitalizations is not as great. The number of fatalities is not as great. It's much lower because it's a weaker variant, which is what Dr. Bridal said. So uh, I'm looking forward to having him on this Friday. Uh, usually we do guests on Thursday, but this week we're doing guests Friday where Dr. Bridal will be our guest. Again, it's Dr. Byron Bridal. Um, you want to check that interview out when we have him on Friday. Yeah, so make sure you are tuned in Friday and for the rest of this week as well. We will be back with more after the break. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. And you can download our SWAT app in the App Store. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? That is Casting Crowns with Nobody. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us or you are new to the program, this month we are looking at uh, CRT, focusing on two books, uh, Christianity and Wokeness by Owen Strand and um, Fault Lines by Bodie Bauckham. Uh We focused more on uh, Christianity and Wokeness last week. We're going to be looking at uh, Vody Bachman's book, Fault Lines, this week. Um, it has come under some fire recently, um, which we talked a little bit last week about how it is unfounded. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so we're going to get into that. If you have any questions or like to join the conversation, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Yeah, we were we were talking about uh, Vody Bauckham's book Fault Lines, and you know Vody grew up in uh, South Central LA, mm-hmm. and um, has a powerful testimony. I didn't even know all of his testimony. I've known Vody for a while, but I didn't know all of his testimony uh, until I read this book. And uh, when I say I've known him, like I've met him several times in Texas, and then here, and and spent some time talking to him, but. And I've heard him speak a lot, but did not know some of the aspects of his testimony where he grew up experiencing ethnic prejudice. He grew up um, like idolizing Malcolm X and and really um, wanting to make a difference for his people, he said in the book. And so he takes uh, everything that's been going on with social justice and looks at it through a biblical lens, and he uses a term that I really like because uh, he uses the term ethnic Gnosticism. Now, uh, if if you don't know what Gnosticism is, it's a term that has applied to a system of thought that um, in the Bible was addressed by Paul um, in, in several books, Colossians being one of them. But um, 
Gnosticism basically uh, was one of the most dangerous heresies that came to the early church because what it did was it separated the spiritual and the physical and it uh, and it was really uh, Plato guys like Plato and um, and uh, and other philosophers who uh, had two premises one uh, like spirit and matter kind of if you get away from from the world kind of like a monastery kind of lifestyle that's the way to really be spiritual as one one aspect of it um and that that any matter is evil and spirit is always good um and they believe that whatever you do in your body even the grossest sin has no meaning because real life exists in the spirit realm only. And so um, that that's that whole idea of separating the two. But And they went so far as to say that Jesus was a spiritual being. He didn't yeah, have a, a he, body. He didn't right? have a physical that, body. Yeah. That's correct. That was one of the Gnostic errors. But the second one, which is really closely aligned to a social justice in the critical race theory is that the Gnostics claim to have an elevated knowledge of truth, a secret knowledge. Yeah. A secret knowledge that's only available to a certain few people. And, um, and the word Gnosticism or Gnostic actually comes from the Greek word Gnosis, which means to know. Mm -hmm. And, and that, you know, they, they claim that this higher knowledge doesn't come from God's word, but it comes uh, through a mystical plane or some external way. Well, for critical theory people, they believe that knowledge only comes from race. So if you're white, you believe this way. If you're black, you believe that way. And that's what uh, Vody asserts in his book. And he actually, one of his chapter titles is called a new priesthood and he uh, he talks about how this phenomena creeping is creeping into the church and that um he i just want to read a couple of the things he he uh he lays out three facets of what he calls ethnic gnosticism that i think are helpful in framing the problem with this in the church and how the church ought to be very opposed to critical race theory and very opposed to it coming into the church. And yet you have guys like David Platt and others who've kind of bought into it, Matt Chandler, Tim Keller, and they would tell you, oh, no, we don't believe it. But what they're saying, by some, and I'm going to read a statement Platt made uh, in, in either this segment or the next, where he actually alludes to the fact that because he's white, he he can't understand, which falls right into the whole Gnostic thing. And no, it doesn't mean that he understands how somebody feels, but understanding how somebody feels is different from understanding truth about life or truth about our environment or truth about God. Right. You know, and that's where, you know, like to, to feel what you feel, I would have to be you, lived your life and experienced the circumstances you did. So I can't feel what you understand exactly what you feel, but I can understand that if a person mistreats you and I've been mistreated by a person, I can understand there's been what mistreatment feels like yeah. in a general sense. 
And what underlines this, again, as we've talked about before, is that when all truth is relative, it become you know, what becomes true is what's true for you, what you feel, what's experiential. And what this uh, 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 ethnic Gnosticism is, is it's an experiential truth based on your lived ex- experience, quote unquote, uh, as a certain race or or what have you, instead of uh, universal principles of truth and what is right. So it is when you take away truth, when that is uh, out the window for a society, this is the type of thing that you're going to find uh, come up in this place. Well, he says uh, in this book, talking about the, the three facets, he says the first one assumes that there is a black perspective that all black people share unless they are broken. I mean, if they're messed up, then they don't share it. But if they, I mean, it, it makes that assumption. Um, but nobody's going to admit that, right? Because he says it's racist. But that's what ethnic Gnosticism advocates. Second, he says that white people's only access to this perspective comes from elevating and listening to black voices. In other words, the only way I can know about any mistreatment or anything throughout history is to have someone who's black tell me about it from their perspective that's the only truth about it and most christians are going to find that offensive they should he says uh, but that's a big proponent or a big part of crt and social justice um and so i, I mean when you think about that he says you know those three First, it assumes there's a black perspective, um, and second, argues white people's only access to this perspective comes from elevating the voices. And finally, he says that narrative uh, that narrative is an alternative and superior truth, mm-hmm. which you said. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what – that's why they want to do away with objectivity and math because objectivity and math is just a result of a white supremacist system. Is, and so he brings out these things, and we're going to talk about them. But I want to read, uh, there was an article in Atlantic, who a lot of people like to read the Atlantic. I've found that I don't necessarily agree with the research done there a lot of times. doesn't mean that there's not some good points made, but I think a lot of time it, it comes more opinion piece mm. stuff than true journalistic uh, investigation. But anyway, uh, back in 2020, last year, About a year ago, um, a lady named Emma Green wrote this. She said, in 2018, a group of pastors led by John MacArthur, an influential white megachurch pastor. Now, just that right there, she's already laying the groundwork to say, this is going to be bad, whatever I say for people, signed a statement decrying social justice and arguing against postmodern ideologies that are derived from intersectionality, radical feminism, and critical race theory. Tom Askell, who was our guest last week, helped draft that article. He, she says, it condemned political or social activism as not being an integral component of the gospel or primary to the mission of the church. This kind of sentiment is common among white evangelicals. Several black leaders who work in these spaces told me that white pastors aggressively enforce the boundaries of acceptable conversations on racism, and they weaponize any position 
that bears even a whiff of progressive politics and they slap a label like social justice and cultural Marxism on arguments about systemic injustice. Black leaders at predominantly white organizations are careful to emphasize that caring about racism is a gospel issue. Several black leaders, including me, Bodie says, attended that conference. He was there. Notice how Green mentions none of us, none of the black leaders there. She made it all about the white pastors there. For her, he says, the statement repudiating social justice cannot be associated with black voices because it does not fit the narrative. The idea that white pastors aggressively enforce boundaries of conversation on racism and weaponize dislike by labeling social justice is just a convenient way to frame the discussion in an us versus them false dichotomy. And that only works if the black voices are dismissed. And so he, and he also points out, you know, the uh, Kentucky attorney general, Dan Cameron, you remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he came out and announced the findings of the Brianna Taylor investigation, he laid out four or five things that are uh, six myths about the investigation that were promulgated out in the news. And he did so in a loving, caring way, talking about her death as being a tragedy. But he said, we're not here to investigate a tragedy. We're here to investigate wrongdoings. And he laid out myth one, the police were at the wrong house. They weren't, he says. They were, the officers used a no-knock warrant. They didn't. They knocked and announced. Myth three, they didn't announce themselves. Eyewitnesses testified they knocked and announced. Myth four, they started the firefight. No, he says Taylor's boyfriend admitted that he fired the first shot. Myth five, one of the officers was shot by friendly fire. No, all the officers fired 40 caliber rounds. He w- The officer was hit with a 9 millimeter round. Myth six, the officer shot Brianna Taylor in her bed. That was not true. She was shot in the hall as she stood next. So he did that, but they labeled him a bad guy because he did the right thing. So anyway. Yeah, and the media's response to that, to a black man laying out the facts and the truth, was to say, I believe uh, he's skin folk, not kin folk, and to castigate him and to try to silence his voice, uh, which is what Bodie was talking about there. Uh, We are coming up against the hard news break, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. That is All My Hope by David Crowder. If you are just joining us, we are looking at CRT, critical race theory, talking about wokeness in the uh, church uh, this month. We started talking about that last week, looking at uh, Owen Strand's 
book, Christianity and Wokeness, and also Bodhi Bakum's book, uh, Fault Lines. We're going to be looking at uh, Fault Lines again today. And if you missed any of that, you can go back and listen to our past programs at www.swatradio.com. There you'll be able to find our full catalog of programs, including the ones last week and then uh, today in about an hour or so. When we are finished, again, that's www.swatradio.com, www.swatradio.com. Hey, you know, we talked about Gnosticism. Now, the Gnostics would have claimed to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. They, The Gnostics were not people who denied Jesus. A lot of the critical theory people just outright deny God's authority. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and the problem for a lot of believers is not the those that just outright deny. It's the people who get sucked in with inside the church who start uh, talking about uh, knowledge apart from Scripture. You know, the Bible, uh, Christianity, and, and true Christian belief asserts that there's only one source of truth, and that's the Bible, the inspired and errant word of God. Um, and, and, you know, when you go to um, uh, passages like John 17 where Jesus is praying and he says, sanctify them, talking about his followers and truth, and he says, your word is truth. Or Second Timothy 3.15 where Paul's instructing young Timothy, and he said, Timothy, from childhood you've known these scriptures And he said, they're able to make you wise for salvation. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, instruction. And even uh, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the soul and spirit, uh, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. But now when you go to ethnic Gnosticism or critical theory, it says that only way a white person can access truth about black people's issues or people that affect a certain people of color group is from listening to their voice. In fact, um, and that's why Vody refers to it as the new priesthood Mm -hmm. because they're actually serving as the priest um, because he, he, and he goes through and he talks about this. He says, everywhere you turn, Another prominent voice within the church is calling for the recognition and elevation of black voices um, that go against the Bible, even in some of the things they say. Uh, They say, you know, whiteness has called blindness. No, people are not blind because of their skin color. They're blind because of sin. You know, blindness of heart is caused by sin. And, um, you know, he cites a guy named Eric Mason uh, who says the Bible can't tell us what it's like to be black in America or how to address systemic discrimination in housing or education. Um, And Phil Vischer, the guy who created Veggie Tales, Mm. tweeted that out there and says, we need to listen to the voices of those who study the issues and had the experience, except why doesn't he say that about Vody Bauckham? Yeah. Or why doesn't he say that uh, about people like even Thomas Sowell? Mm-hmm. You know, because Walter Williams, yeah, but they don't fit. The, yeah, they don't fit the narrative. And you know, last year Taylor, I had one of the guys in SWAT send me a uh, a thing and said, "Hey, maybe we need to teach 
this two guys in SWAT, and it was called Be the Bridge. And it was right when a lot of this social justice stuff was coming out. And um, and you, you and I were talking in the break, David Platt, who has a huge influence in evangelicalism in our country, um, made the statement um, that I know as a white pastor I have blind spots, so I'm part of the problem. Okay, why would he say that? Why wouldn't he just say, I know as a sinful man, I have blind spots, and so I'm part of the problem of ethnic prejudice. He could say that yep. and, and not make it a social justice issue or a critical theory issue. And, you know, if black people know about racism and white people cannot know racism and are racist by default, then the only acceptable response is for white people to sit down, shut up, listen to whatever black people say about that matter. And that's simply not a biblical approach to dealing with sin, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, does, Jesus would have addressed that. Paul would have addressed that in the scriptures if that would have been acceptable. But that's what the Be the Bridge curriculum says. It, listen, it, this is what uh, one of the people in uh, said about, uh, the be the bridge Facebook don't white splain. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Can you explain that to me? What does it mean to white splain? Uh, don't explain why a person of color feels like something was racist. Don't try to say, well, actually that wasn't based on race. Or- okay. So don't explain how the microaggression they just experienced was somebody being nice to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't explain how a particular injustice is more about class and race. It's an easy trap to fall into, but you can avoid it by maintaining a posture of active listening. Don't equate impact with intent. Yes, we all know your heart was in the right place and you went meant well, but your words or behavior had a negative impact on those around you, and that's what matters. Just apologize and do better next time. This is what uh, uh, what it looks like when the church accepts the premise, he says, of that. Don't chastise any people of color because they express their grief, fear, or anger in inappropriate ways. Understand that historically we white people have silenced voices of dissent with our cultural idol of niceness. Provide space for people of color to wail, cuss, or even yell at you. I remember one time at the YMCA when I was living in Texas that uh, they had a sign that said, no cussing when we play why because it's the ymca Mm -hmm. and i remember one time there was a person of color there who was cussing and some guys told him to stop and pointed to the sign and he said no well he got the the head of the ymca came and talked to him because people were complaining and he was complaining to me because i was on the board and i was like a chaplain to the y and he said in our neighborhood that's what we do and I said, well, we're not in our neighborhood, in your neighborhood. I said, and as a, as a Christian organization, they want to honor Christian ideals. This is not a, a, a white ideal versus a black ideal. This is a Christian ideal, you know? And he said, well, that ain't right. Why? Because he didn't like the rule being set there. That's what they said. But, you know, it, but he made it a black and white issue, yeah. and that happens a lot. And what they're saying there in the Build a Bridge was you can't do that. Yeah, and, you know, it's 
I wrote down uh, one part ironic when when we talked about be the, I don't know if we talked about it on air uh, last year about be the bridge, but I said it was a Trojan horse mm-hmm. uh, for inserting those type of things. But what is really interesting here is when it says um, we white people have silenced voices of dissent and lament with our cultural idol, cultural idol of niceness. That is so ironic because what they are saying here is don't get defensive, which is the next point. Don't push back on these things that you see as untrue because why? Oh, it's not nice to do that. But then they're using that as a two, uh, you know, a two edged sword by saying, well, you've had these people of color. They have to be nice all the time. So you should let them cuss. It, 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 it's, it's just niceness has been an idol in the, in the culture. Yeah, it's true. But you're, you're using that same idol to get people to uh, kowtow to what you think. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, I go back to those verses in John and second Timothy and Hebrews about God's word. God's word is the standard, not a narrative, not a a personal interpretation of God's word. It is how God's word has been interpreted over time. And, you know, I will remind people that it was it was not a Caucasian interpretation of God's word. There were Middle Eastern people that interpreted the word. They were Jewish people you know, who were God raised up to give us his truth and pass it on to generation and generation. And, you know, he gives one other example, and this is a well-known conservative reform scholar who said black people in America have relied on God's word to help them survive white people. While you, when you're white and in the dominant culture, you've never needed the Old Testament covenant-keeping redemptive God. Yours became a Christianity of moralism. Evangelicals will be confused by the black church because they've never needed the God who acts through miracles to redeem them from something that's not their fault. So again, he this is a, a prominent Christian scholar who is adopting this idea of ethnic Gnosticism and talking about how Life is easy. It's been easy for white people, he goes on to say. One of the privileges of being white in America is never needing God to stop a society from trying to destroy you and your family. So what about the Jews who live here? What about the Jews who were trying to, I mean, I I know a couple of different guys who survived Nazi uh, concentration camps. Their whole nation was was tried to be wiped out, not just a group in a country, but the whole nation, you know. So the Bible is a book for evangelicalism, he says, discipleship, not a book for personal and social cosmic survival. As such, Great Commission Christianity doesn't know what to do with the Old Testament. That's simply not true. Mm -hmm. That is a misstatement by a guy who carries a mantle of a scholar and being able to influence a lot of people. He says the traditional black church is far more Trinitarian about the whole counsel of God than evangelicals. So, again, getting sucked up into the vortex of, of critical theory is dividing the church. Leaders in the church are buying in. And the reason uh, Bodhi says they buy in is because they do care about people, but they're blinded to the dangers of, of critical theory and the ethnic Gnosticism that's there. And when we come back, we'll, we'll look at the narrative, you know, how that trumps truth, because that's really one that's impacting 
a lot of things in our culture right now. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. We'd like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, and all of you listening here locally, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkston, Georgia. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. That is Rescuer by Ren Collective. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at CRT and wokeness in the church this month. We started uh, last week, and we are continuing that today, looking at uh, Fault Lines, excuse me, by uh, Bodie Bacham. If you'd like to join the discussion or if you have any questions, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, you know, Taylor, so we've been looking at the three facets of uh, ethnic Gnosticism. And just as a reminder, again, Gnosticism is was a heresy that's been around for a long time, and it had two key elements. One was a separation of the physical and the spiritual, saying that if you separate it, whatever you did in the physical wasn't evil because it's all evil. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the second part was that you could know a higher truth or an elevated knowledge of the truth that was only available to a certain few. And um, and 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 these people claimed to know Christ. The Gnostics did, but they claimed they had a special revelation. That's it's part of the issue with even. Uh, today in, within some charismatic circles mm-hmm. to say, oh, God gave me a special revelation that is extra uh, biblical. It's not in his word. Um, that God says that um, you will know him by his word, that his word uh, was given and it's complete and it is the revelation of everything he wants us to know about him, how we to relate to him. And so this idea that... Um, that 
somebody's evil because of their skin color is not biblical. It's not a biblical idea. Just because somebody is white or black or yellow or red doesn't make them one thing or another. The thing that makes anybody do evil things is because they have a sinful heart. We all are born with a sin nature that sin manifests in a lot of different ways. And Vody has laid out in his book uh, talking about this new priesthood that there are three facets, we said, to ethnic Gnosticism. Uh, the first one was that uh, there's a black perspective that all black people share. That's not true. And, and, and that's racist. It, it is. That is completely uh, racist to say that no matter what you're using it saying, oh, I'm anti-racist. That is a racist statement and that paints black people all as a monolith instead of as individuals. Well, yeah. And so if you are black and you disagree with the going social justice narrative, you are just written off as somebody who's marginalized yeah. by white people. You're ignored in the case of like Thomas Sowell. You're well, called names. Uh, or like, even Candace Owens. Yeah. I mean, she's just marginalized. Yeah, you're called names and or you're said that you have internalized racism. Even like uh, Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clarence Thomas is a phenomenal justice. Mm-hmm. And he has stood for good things while he's been on the Supreme Court. And yet he's vilified by people simply because he doesn't toe the narrative. Mm-hmm. But and the, he was his, they attempted to assassinate his character when he was getting confirmed, particularly because of that point. Even our current president was part of that yep. assassination. Mm-hmm. Um, but second, uh, Bodhi says, was that, that um, ethnic Gnosticism argues that white people's only access to that perspective comes from listening to somebody who's black. And that's that special knowledge that says that, well, you can't know this because you're not a certain skin color it's not you don't have the ability to learn it from from research or other things it's just that you can't know it that somebody who's done no research on a subject about like say slavery Mm -hmm. you can't speak to it unless you're black because it happened to black people and so it doesn't matter the amount of research you could take somebody who's never done one minute of research on it versus somebody who is a not a person of color who's done hours and hours of research and and it says this person over here has more credibility because they're black that's just wrong yeah and it my fear in that regard is if you know history is our guide that that delineation that separation when it's extrapolated all the way out is going to lead to an inferior and mm-hmm. and, and and a, a superior you know, as far as race goes. And we've seen how that's played out in the past and how that can turn violent and deadly. And just because it's uh, uh, inverse, a mere inverse of what we've seen before, um, doesn't mean that it's not just as dangerous or just as wrong. Yeah, well, uh, Vody brings out the third and final uh, element of ethnic Gnosticism as this idea that narrative or storytelling is the ultimate and superior truth. Mm-hmm. So there's no objectivity. You you don't show, like, let's say that uh, I saw uh, something happen over here, and I could tell you that there, were, there was evidence that indicated all these things happened that I said. But then this person over here 
who is a person of color says, no, something different over hap- happened. What ethnic Gnosticism says is even though I've got evidence that shows this, their story trumps the evidence. Mm-hmm. That's what it really means. And he talks about two types of storytelling, legal storytelling, which is using stories or first-person accounts to understand and analyze racial issues, or counter-storytelling, which is a writing that aims to cast doubt on the validity of accepted premises or myths, especially ones held by the majority. And uh, so he's saying that CRT, or critical race theory, uses storytelling as an alternative truth. And he says, if the law is on your side, pound the law. If the facts are on your side, pound the facts. If neither is on your side, then pound the table. And boy, is that not what we've seen. And then unlike his addendum there that CRT would add, if neither is on your side, assume it is because of racism and tell a story or counter story. Yeah, and he gives a couple examples that I want to bring out. And one of them is uh, from April 2018, there was a, a pastor named Gerard Moultrie, who was the president of the NAACP in South Carolina. He was pulled over by police. Now, the Facebook post is deleted now, but he wrote on Facebook, tonight I was racially profiled by a certain officer because I was driving a Mercedes-Benz going into a nice neighborhood. And then he took it a step further. Uh, He contacted the police chief and accused that officer of racially profiling and mistreating him during the stop. Now, according to his statement to the chief, the officer not only accused him of having drugs in his car, but did so in front of his wife and grandchildren. The chief's documents state that the officer asked his wife and grandchild not to move because the officer looked as if he might shoot them. He also made mention that the officer continued to ask him about his neighborhood. Why was he in that neighborhood? And he threatened to pull it, put him in jail in reference to something dealing with the registration of the vehicle. However, when the chief investigated the body camera footage, told a very different tale. He, he failed to signal a turn and had the wrong tags on his new car. The body cam shows that Miles was, or the, the officer was courteous, professional, and helpful, telling him where to go to get the proper tags. After his lie was revealed, he removed the Facebook post. But see, you don't hear about that. Nobody in the media talks about that. Now, had I put that out there, I I would have been blistered all over social media and probably wouldn't be able to do the radio program I was about to say, there's no consequences mentioned for his blatant lie. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's what happens a lot. If people say something, it gets branded out there and it can hurt people. But if it's false, it doesn't matter. They just remove it. If it's exposed, and that has happened a lot now that we've had body cam, you know, mm-hmm. people uh, talk a lot about body cam footage. Body cam footage has done more to basically show the truth a lot of times about what's happened in a situation uh, with officers actually not doing things that are bad. So much so that there are the people who had advocated in certain mm-hmm. instances for body cameras, once the body cameras have come out, have then advocated for them to be taken away mm-hmm. like that. That's how uh, most of the time the body cam footage uh, is helpful to, to an officer. Yeah. Well, there was another example he gave in February. Uh, this is about six years ago. There was an actress 
who was accused, she accused police out in California of racially profiling her son during a visit to USC. And she put out on social media that she was so upset. Uh, I'm not going to pay this much money for him to go to USC and go to sleep, not being able to wonder whether my son's getting profiled on campus. So she put that in a magazine, right? But the, Glen, the, the Glendale Police Department then released the body cam footage showing that when the son, her son drove through the yellow light while a pedestrian was crossing the road, he handed the officer an expired insurance card. He didn't have insurance on the car. And the officer said, that's all right. Okay. Uh, when the young man produced the Proctor document, he said, good job. The officer smelled marijuana, which he admitted having in his possession without a permit, along with Ritalin that was not prescribed to him. And, and the officer then said, hey, I'm going to give you a citation for the marijuana I'm not going to give you a citation for running that yellow because that will put a moving violation on your license. He didn't even mention the Ritalin. And he said, if you have Ritalin on you and you're not supposed to, don't do that. That's a big violation, and I wouldn't want to do that. Now, then the actress recanted after the video was released and said a mother's job is not easy and neither is a police officer's. But again, it went out in a magazine. All this stuff, you know, was out there and people read all that stuff. And I'm just like, it gets into the collective conscience. And it, a it, lot of times the retractions or the apologies after the full story does not. No. So what do you do with that? Well, uh, when we come back, we're going to look at what Vody had said about how to respond. Oh, we can't come back. Yeah. We got to do it tomorrow. Yeah. yeah I forgot. It's Time over. Just flew by. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so yes, that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, we hope that you tune in tomorrow, though, and listen to us continue to talk about Fault Lines by Bodie Bauckham. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. And you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spirit.